uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. You have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Moff Gideon, you have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Soon, he will be back with me. He means more to me than you will ever know. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, tis the season to be jolly and also celebrate the season finale of season two of The Mandalorian. <laughs> then I'll let you guys know there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you have not seen season two of The Mandalorian, especially the last episode of this season, come back after you watch it. Because here we go up to the satellite, Karen. Take and, it and away. There may be some tears in this episode too. You never know. Big um, manly tears uh, shed uh, in this episode. <laughs> well, man, what a season! You know, we enjoyed the first season so much. Uh, it was, I think, we could all probably agree, the best Star Wars since the original Star Wars. Right. And. Uh, you know, it, I I don't feel disappointed in this season. I was I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you know, they just continue. Favreau and Filoni continue to. Uh, it's it's like they managed to bring the best of the old in and bring it back in new ways that is so exciting and so refreshing. And and that's what I really enjoyed about this season. You know, we had a lot of characters show up. Uh, many from the the uh, animated shows like Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. But then we got like Boba Fett. And I, I had to like eat all my words because I, I used to say, you know, Boba Fett never did, you know, bleep. Uh, but, you know, he was never nothing, didn't do anything. And, and then they bring him in and make him this really interesting character. You know, they, they brought him back and did some cool stuff with him. Uh, but then, you know, through the course of the show, you know, they also really did some some uh, some character growth with with our pal Mando, Din Djarin and, and Grogu. You know, the baby got a name, Grogu, right. um, and continued to, to build on that. And, and, you know, as we discussed the episodes, we also got some what I thought were sort of kind of adult moments in Star Wars where we kind of pulled back the curtain on what really happened in the war between the empire and the rebels and, you know, how hard, what, what the toll was of that war on people. Um, 
So, yeah, it was just a spectacular year in that, that season finale. We're, I know we're going to talk about it, but, you know, I'm a huge Luke Skywalker fan, so it just blew my mind. <laughs> what, what about you you guys? Who? What? Luke well, was that- in it? <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't a blink and you miss it moment. <laughs> That's Very what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a hint. So, yeah, it was exciting. No, I... Uh, uh, I, the thing that amazed me about this season, even more than season one, every episode looked like a movie. Mm. I yeah. mean, the sets, and you know, I know a lot of his green screen background type stuff, but just the sets and the planets and the characters and the way it was shot, and uh, it was just amazing. And it was like, you know, you're watching a half hour motion picture each week. And I think yeah. what probably happened was after the first season was a big hit, Disney just mm-hmm. handed the checkbook to, to uh, Favreau and said, here, yeah, <laughs> do whatever you got to do because yeah. it, it was a great season. And, you know, we got to wait, what, is it a year now until the next season? Yeah, um, December. So yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully it's going to be the same. It's going to be worth the wait. And it's going to be, you know, if it takes an exponential jump, between season two to three as it did in season one to two, then it could be, we could be looking at something pretty amazing next year. Oh, absolutely. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe Mando or Bo-Katan or whoever might show up in the Ahsoka show that they're talking about, or in some of the other, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what is it? The wild bunch or whatever the animated, uh, Oh, the the bad batch, the bad batch. There's, there's all this content that Disney's releasing, right? Um, uh, who knows who might make an appearance where? Right, um, they're, they're making an. I was just going to say they're making a, a interconnected universe now with all these different shows. Right, right, and and what Bob was uh, saying about the just it looking so epic and cinematic, even story wise, one of the things um, Jazz and I were going over because she hadn't seen the Clone Wars, the animated series, she. You know, was asking, well, who's Bo Katan? And, you know, let alone Rebels, you know, I had to explain who Sokotano was. So we're going back and watching that. And I, I watched the final season, the final episode of Clone Wars. Spoiler alert where Ahsoka lays the helmets down for the fallen clone troopers and, and drops the saber. And it was so cinematic when Vader shows up and, and look, and he knows Ahsoka did this. And looks down and, and picks up the saber. I mean, yes, it's an animated show, but it would, it had such gravitas. And David Filoni, working with John Favreau, I mean, he brought that to Mandalorian time and time again. It, it is just such a beautiful story. One of the things I like, too, is, you know, last year was season one. This was season two. Yeah, they call it season two, but it's chapter ten chapter right. 11 it carries mm-hmm. on that tradition of the star wars films yeah it was also um the way they integrated those characters mm-hmm. from the animated series it didn't feel forced right. you know it felt like it made sense characters like bo katan uh, even Ahsoka, you know, it's like you could say, well, there, people like to complain and say, oh, it's fan service. It's fan service. Well, number one, don't you want to see those characters? And and two, 
okay, he's looking for a Jedi. You know, there's not a lot of Jedi left, so he meets Ahsoka. It makes sense to me. Or Bo-Katan. He's looking for Mandalorians. He runs into her. I mean, uh, the way they handled them, it, it just, it all seemed to make sense, and it was done so well. The characters were already there. You understood them. And I, I could see how, like, somebody like Jasmine, not having seen the, the shows, it's it, they're integrated in such a way that you don't necessarily have to have watched all the shows before to to get you know why they're there and what their their background or their history is. Well, that's oh, true. I, I figure I've, I've got a year now to watch all those shows because I haven't <laughs> watched them either. You know, I'm that's pretty bad. much a Star Wars movie guy. So um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Michael or Debbie would have to like explain to me like who some of these characters were when they'd get all excited, they come on screen. It's like, what, who's that? Yeah. Right. I mean, jazz appreciates the, you know, the fall of Mandalore. Okay. Well, how would you like to see how the fall of Mandalore came about? We'll watch, you know, the third season of the clone wars and part of the fifth season or, you know, whatever. Um, it's just a fun experience. It's a great time to be a fan, you know? And isn't it funny that kind of the, future of star wars looks to be on television i would never have thought that in a million years well they are working on more movies but yeah i mean so far mandalorian like we've said before it's a it's the best star wars since the original trilogy so yeah you know they might maybe they're making more movies but hopefully the movies are going in the same direction as mandalorian mandalorian and some of the other tv shows hopefully will be going in um, yeah, you know, one of the things I was wondering, Bob, was will we ever see another trilogy or will it be Rogue One or a Han Solo story where we just get like one shots? Well, I'm thinking that they will probably have uh, John Favreau be the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree will, with you on that. Because you need absolutely. like you need one singular vision and it used to be George Lucas uh-huh. And between Lucas and Favreau, there were just like half a dozen different visions and each movie had a different director and they'd each go in different directions and then one director would have to bring it back, you know, into a, the right path or whatever. And I think that's where they went astray. And it's, it's almost like it's almost like DC with their movies for a while there. They had no singular hey. vision. Hey. <laughs> no, really, they had no singular vision, so they were kind of, yeah. you know, each one's, it wasn't like a cohesive universe, it's like mm-hmm. each one had a different style, a different vision, a different outlook, different actors some, for some of the characters, so, right. yeah, to have a singular, linear, you know, anchor point for all these different, because, you know, if you're going to have movies and TV shows, and I mean, even Marvel, I'll, I'll criticize Marvel, their TV shows were not connected to the movies. Mm-hmm. So again, you had like a couple of different directions, whereas they could have easily integrated all of it together, especially like agents of shield and, uh, and had a singular vision. You know, they did great with the movies, you know, and they had some good TV shows, but they had nothing to do with the movies. But yeah, Marvel, I think saw the light and they start, you know, with the Netflix shows, there was a, Reference to, you know, the the Battle of New York and um, same with S.H.I.E.L.D. I think Sif showed up at one point, but um, yeah, the last uh, the last season or second to last season of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they 
they were talking about the Battle of New York and, you know, all that. And it, it was pretty intertwined, but it was like the movies didn't acknowledge the TV shows. The TV shows mm-hmm. would, would reference the movies. And uh, and I guess I heard that uh, they're bringing the Netflix Daredevil into Spider-Man 3 now. So, uh, you know, there there's so much going on about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is just going to be a big soup. Like a big, yeah, like when you make points. a stew with a bunch of leftovers, and yeah, it comes the, the out good though are, sometimes. But. Yeah, <laughs> you start seeing things like uh, Mark Hamill is going to reprise his role as Luke Skywalker in Spider Man Three. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gotten pretty ridiculous. He probably would though. Yeah. Oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah, at the end during the credits, it's like you know, it said Mark Hamill, and Debbie's like, oh, he did the voice. I go, of course he did the voice. He does voices all over cartoons, so he's got all no right. problem doing that. He's not like, I'm a motion picture actor. I'm above this. Well, you know? I was a little surprised. Did you guys watch the uh, Star Wars holiday special, the Lego Yes, I did. Show? No, he not didn't the Lego do the, He didn't do the voice in that. Really? And, and he, in Twitter, he said he wasn't asked. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's so I'm sure if they, that if they, they asked him, I'm sure he would have. Or, uh, yeah, too expensive, know. maybe I don't know. Missed opportunity. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a cute special. I was gonna say yeah, it was actually it, it was you know cute, funny. Uh, I'll have to go back and look at it. I'm like building my way up to watching the uh, rewatching the Sabrina holiday special along with the Creep Show holiday special. So I'll have oh, to I'll have good. to throw in the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Uh, yeah, you're, you'll have I, fun with both, actually, Bob. Jeepers, I got to get like Charlie Brown and Rudolph in if I'm going to have a traditional Christmas here. So Charlie Brown, check. Rudolph, check. <laughs> uh, what else did we watch? There was one other. Oh, Santa Claus is coming to town. But, well, I'll let, tell you what, let's steer it back into Mando. Well, this is our <laughs> Christmas episode, too, right? So. Like, <laughs> like you guys always tell me when I bring up Batman versus Superman. <laughs> hey. All right. Well, we got our Batman versus Superman reference in. Well, do you guys, you guys do you want to talk a little bit about? Uh, we could go through each episode and and kind of talk about each one and what we thought about it. Yeah, sure, sure. All right. One of the things you know, I really enjoyed straight away. I mean, the first episode we get R five Gamorians, Weequay. <laughs> we find out what a, a crate dragon looks like. I mean, I was just blown away with all the little Easter eggs that we got and Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. And at first I was like, wow, Boba Fett survived, but boy, he's lanky now. He's a skinny dude now. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, uh, yeah, they, they definitely crazy. kicked off. And when I, when I was talking about the whole motion picture thing, the creatures in this thing, like, you know, the crate dragon and, the spiders and whatever. I mean, that dragon was pretty damn impressive for a TV show. Oh, man. I mean, the Banthas looked good. And, and all the little details, you know, we saw the Tuscan Raider kind of cleaning the Bantha's teeth with the other side of its gaffy stick. Yeah. Because you always wondered, did they just use those to beat the heck out of, you know, enemies? It had a practical use. I, I was just like, <laughs> Well, also when they're traveling on the Banthas and it's like, they're traveling single in single file. file. Yeah. To hide their numbers. Or, you know, it's like, See, Obi-Wan was no fool. He knew what was going on. Yeah. That's right. And the other thing I loved was the Tuscan sign language. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what do you mean when you... Uh, 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 
no, with the sign language, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, because there's well, like I one really... part where, where Mando's like speaking English, but he's doing the sign language. So, yeah. yeah. I, I love the spaghetti Western feel of this episode. And of course, they've taken the, the Tuscans who had once been just this kind of very um, one note villain in in star wars and made them into they're basically like native americans you know and if you're going to do a western analogy and it's like you know the settlers are like oh they're barbarians they're raiders they're terrible and and you know din's like hey they're they're tough because this land is tough you know they're they're rough and tumble because they have to be but you know what you guys have you know infringed on their land you've taken their resources you know so hey give them a shot here and uh i liked that they gave them another dimension you know they weren't just these ugly creatures that run around you know killing folks out in the desert it's like oh so again we take something that's old that we recognize from star wars but it's like oh we get to see like a new angle on this whole thing and like you said larry oh they're you know they're in their camp they're taking care of the banthas and it's just like wow this is so cool it's something i recognize but i get to see it in a whole new way yeah you know who was the sheriff vance that was uh, a timothy oliphant oh okay yeah i know i was hoping he would be back but yeah, I wondered if we would see him again, but maybe, uh, maybe another time. Please, with the, you know, I, I hope to see you. I hope to see you too. I, I think he'll, you know, like I said, it's going to be such a big universe on Disney Plus. These characters are bound to show up again. I mean, well, plus it's skipping from planet to planet and returning to planets, and you know, I go yeah. go back here and get the ship. Well, he doesn't have to get the ship repaired anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, one of the things I want to say, uh, yes, we've got it. John Favreau did an amazing job on this. But again, Dave Filoni, they really did a good job bringing characters that he created in the animated series in Clone Wars into the Mandalorian. And, and it just made such logical sense. And, you know, Filoni's famously a disciple of George Lucas. I mean, George has said... Mm-hmm. Dave's, you know, the guy after me and, and has worked very closely with him. And, I, I, you know, it, it's just such a, I said it before, it's such a great time to be a fan. I mean, with these guys working this this universe now, good things are going to come out of this based on yeah. what we've seen. Well, last plus, year. I think they're, they're talking to George. I mean, there were some shots of George on the set. Mm-hmm. So he's around. He's just not credited these days. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny to see a picture of him holding baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to know what he what he thinks of the Mandalorian, but I haven't seen any comments anywhere. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, I haven't seen him no, do an interview in a while, so. Mm-hmm. Famously silent. Uh, silent. George, do you have any comments? Uh, no, not really. I don't know. That's an entertaining show. Yeah, quite entertaining. <laughs> Uh, so, that, oh, go ahead, Walker. I was just going to say, I, I, I did, did think it was a little odd that the way Mando started off on his quest to find other Jedi was to look for other Mandalorians. I wasn't quite sure where that was going, other than maybe he just didn't know, like, who to ask. Well, I don't think he really uh, knew what a Jedi was, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I maybe think, he didn't just, trust anybody. No. I think he was looking for the first Mandalorian to tell him, okay, here's where you look for Jedis, but 
Right. Maybe he knew that the Jedi and the Mandalorians have had, you know, encounters in, in their history. So. Yeah, I guess we can chalk it up to that. Also, um, one of the things, too, you know, again, with the details, not since, what, 12, 15 years ago when we all learned the word frack in another famous series, did we get a colorful swear word, dink ferric. Time and time again, we see, you know, the, the, the gun's broken, dink ferric. The kid pulled the ball off of the, you know, throttle for the command or the, uh, the ship, dink ferric. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out that that was actually a... A swear word. A swear word, not a drink. <laughs> Tank Farrick. I was like, what is he talking about? Is that a planet? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that's the amazing thing, too, even though they, you know, obviously this is on Disney Plus, but, you know, it's on like a quote streaming or cable network. They could swear all they want, but they don't, except for made up swear words. But, <laughs> you know, it's very, very kid friendly. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of kid-friendly, there was a lot of uproar on the interwebs over the Chapter 10, The Passenger, and the Frog Lake. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, come on. It's like, we know he eats frogs. And here's this big frog mama with her eggs, and it's like, you know, sure, you know, it'd be good. I mean, Very people tasty. were sitting there saying, oh, he's committing genocide. It's like, come on. He's eating a bunch of unfertilized eggs. He's a kid. It's funny. Every time he pops it in his mouth, come on. It's funny. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it was a running well, joke for the episode. And when yeah. Uh, yeah, when Mandalorian realizes what he's doing, he's like, no, stop <laughs> it. And you know what I mean, too. Behave yourself. <laughs> Um, I will say, and, and not to criticize, but of all the uh, episodes this series, this was the one that didn't – it was good, but at first I was like, meh, it was okay. I watched it two or three more times getting ready for the podcast, and it did grow on me. There, there were moments like with the baby Yoda eating the tadpoles and also the X-Wing pilots, uh, famously Dave Filoni is on screen uh, again as um, an X-Wing pilot. So that was fun. Oh, I thought I, I thought the ice spiders were great. Being a monster yeah. guy myself, yeah, anytime you bring in like the crate dragon or you bring in the ice spiders, I mean, that's right up my alley. Yeah, they had two big <laughs> monsters right in a row. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, and you know, the whole... Ice. I mean, everything. Uh, I, I think the majority of, of stories on Star Wars movies or TV take place on a desert planet. So it was refreshing to see something like, you know, Hoth or, um, or what is the Wookiee, uh, Kashyyyk, you know, something other than sand. So it, it was cool to, to be on that planet for a bit. Now, why the frog lady decided to skinny dip in that heated pond and how did she know the heated pond was there these were the little things that kind of like <laughs> bugged me and i'm like well you're overthinking it Keiko. Well, I, th- I think she you're just wa- right. i think she just wandered off and it's like hey look look what we have here hey hot tub Take a dip. Mm-hmm. i mean it's cold as hell right <laughs> yeah she wanted to get you know 
warmed up. She's a cold-blooded creature. So <laughs> she had no way to, to warm up. She had to jump in that hot water. Well, what well, cracked no, me I, up was she took all the eggs out. And see, the eggs were all like bathing in there with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that one. I, I liked the uh, interchange between Mando, the exchange between him and the X-Wing pilots. You know, he's trying to... Yeah, Oh yeah, I didn't. I don't have to fly with the transponder officer. Uh, and then the you know the power dive and you know trying to trick them. And I thought that was really cool. And it, and it's interesting to see the 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 uh, rebel pilots and you know okay so now that the 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 alliance is basically in power, what are they doing? You know how are they trying to manage things and the outer rim? And that was. Uh, there was an interesting exchange at the end too, where they basically let him go, but they didn't really help him patch his ship up or anything. They just kind of said, okay, we're going to let you go, but you're on your own. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. But once he does get it patched, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) He's able. Now at first I thought that was like the Mon Calamari homeworld Trask, the, the planet Trask, but Frog Lady reunites with her hubby there, so you know that was a nice thing. Well, they yeah they had Mon Calamari there, and then they had uh, oh, who are the other guys? Are they Kraken or are they? Uh, oh, um, gosh, I'm forgetting my Star Wars aliens. Drawing a blank, a, a no prize to any of the listeners who can name that race. But uh, yeah. But also, it's the next episode where Grogu kind of redeems himself because the frog couple basically babysit him. Yeah. And when Mando goes back to pick him up, he's like playing with the tadpole and, you know, not eating it. I think he learned his lesson. But. <laughs> right. There, there was like this little sound where Grogu was actually surprised, like, oh, that's what that is. And, you know. Yeah, I like when he leaves him there. He goes, mind your manners. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, and the Razor Crest, that poor ship, it's all beat to hell. Then it totters over the side of the landing pad and sinks. (laughs) And then they've got what looks like, you know, basically AT-ATs that have been refurbished as cranes. And right. they have to haul, haul it out of the water. Well, see, the, then, I love that part because it was always the big theory that the ad-ass were based on the cranes that are out on uh, out on the harbor in Oakland. <laughs> that, and, to me, they came full circle in that episode. I thought that was awesome. And, like, Dennis Murin has always said, no, 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 no. But I mean, if you look at it, you know, you drive over the Bay Bridge from San Francisco over to Oakland and you look over to the right and you see those things standing there. It's like, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's where they came from. Yeah. So to have them turned back into cranes, yeah, that was pretty cool. Full circle. It's probably a subliminal thing that he may not say that that's where he got the idea, but it's probably deep in the recesses of his mind. Well, I mean, you know, ILM, Lucasfilm, you know, they're all local in the San Francisco oh, yeah. Bay Area, so – you know they always have to drive over that bridge and they're probably looking at those things all the time. Yeah, definitely. And and like I said, it was so cool to see it like used in that fashion. And uh, so this is the episode where 
Of course, Bo-Katan shows up, Katie Sackhoff, mm-hmm. and her uh, two fellow Mandalorians to save uh, Din and the, the baby. Now, um, she did the voice of Bo-Katan in the cartoon, right? Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was cool. Oh, yeah. That was, like, very cool. Now, I have to say, I don't know that I find her the greatest actress. Now, some people may be offended by that. Um, I find her a little stiff in her performances, but um, I thought it was very interesting that this is the first time Mando is confronted with a group of Mandalorians outside of his own, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, clan sect or whatever. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he reacts pretty badly towards them. (laughs) Well, I think, I think it like shocks him that, you know, after they they rescue him and Grogu, that they come up and just pull their helmets off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like the last, I think, of the Mandalorians that like adheres or tried to adhere to not removing the helmet. But well, back in season one, when he goes down, you know, to the to the clubhouse for lack of a better, the hideout, and he sees that all the Mandalorians took off their armor to escape and, and just the, the gravitas of, of that action and that moment where he's just like, ah, and she explains, you know, they, they did what they had to do to survive. And, you know, we'll get into this later on as we talk about, um, Mayfield coming back in, but there was a very poignant moment where he's like, well, what is it, Mando? Is it that you don't take off your helmet or you don't show your face? Cause those are two very different things. Now, but did they take off their armor or were they assumed to be killed? Because my impression was that maybe they had been killed and the armorer had somehow gotten a hold of their armor. So I, I don't know. I'm confused as to what actually happened to them. My impression was that they took off the armor so that they could escape. Because hmm. no okay. one would be looking for them. And that's why the armor was there in the clubhouse and not with the Empire. They're running naked in the streets somewhere. Basically, hmm. but well, I could be wrong. You know, we have a year yeah. to go back and watch. Go the back episode. and yeah, watch. <laughs> but, but yeah, it really it shakes him up. I mean, and then she tells him, "Oh, you're part of a, me- a member of that," almost implying like he's in some sort of weird little cult. Yeah, and uh, exactly. he's just like, like the Branch Davidian well, of Mandalorian, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing when he when he meets the sheriff too. It's like the sheriff comes in, you know, let, let me buy you a drink. Walks over the table, takes his helmet off, and puts it on the table. And immediately, he's like, "You're not a Mandalorian," you know. It's like it oh, shocks him you. like over and over again as all these different people, Mandalorian or not, remove their helmets. Boba Fett did the same thing. Yeah, right. So time and time again, when the Marshal, okay, he was not of Mandalore, nor was he a foundling, nor a Mandalorian. Boba shows his uh, his pedigree chain, i guess i don't know chain yeah. Code, yeah yeah chain code um same with bo katan and and the other two mandalorians and so i think mando kind of starts to think you know what does it mean to be a mandalorian what you know kind of looking at big picture rather than just what do the branch davidians think or uh you know heaven's <laughs> gate or whatever you want to call it but um it's a it's a good episode. I mean, the the whole uh, taking the the heist taking over the the imperial 
weapons ship and uh, mm-hmm. you know the guy you know taking this the pill or well wasn't a pill but the suicide uh, charge or whatever it was shock treatment yeah. whatever yeah yeah um, well, it's, yeah it's interesting the you know obviously there's still imperial remnants and there's still this sort of fanatical charge in a lot of them you know moff gideon yeah he tells the guy well you know what you have to do and bam bam he shoots the pilots and starts to dive the ship in a suicide dive and it's like they're still very uh you know they have strong beliefs yeah it's like yeah it's it's also in that episode we get like the first hint that uh bo-katan is after the dark saber Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So, so we, right. So now we know, uh, you know, <clears throat> what her end game is on this. And then we hear, you know, oh, no, it's not this episode. I'm, I'm going ahead. Sorry. I will hold my tongue until we jump forward a couple of episodes. But yeah, we we kind of know she's going to be on a collision course with Moff Gideon. Right. So, so we, then, we finish off this, you know, the, the uh, Mon Calamari does his best to put the Razor Crest <laughs> back together. And uh, oh, that's the greatest thing. It's like, you know, you see him warp at the end and it's like this little doors floating in space. Little pieces are like falling <laughs> yeah, off like, as he's, you know, piloting the ship. And, right, and he it's, tells it's, the kid. All right. Go ahead. He tells him, you know, we're not going to make it. So think we're going to have a little pit stop and they go back to, you know, um, Navarro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing is literally held together with like ropes and, and pieces of cloth. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's just a, a freaking nightmare. Yeah. In the beginning of the episode where the Mon Calamari is like, well, I'll refill it. If it holds fuel, <laughs> yeah. it is just tore up. Yeah, I, don't know. yeah. I, re- I really like the Razor Crest, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> it was a nice ship. But, At times. Yeah, the next episode, 12, the, the Siege, I thought that was a really exciting episode. Um, and Carl Weathers directed it. I don't know if that's the first thing he's directed, but I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, when I saw that at the end, I was I was surprised. Plus, you know, it's always hard to direct something that you're acting in. Mm-hmm. You're doing double duty, right. but well, he's been around a long time, so I, I, it figures he's probably you know he's picked up a lot of tricks. So plus, it brings back it, the uh, the alien that Mando caught in the first scene of the first episode. <laughs> right, he's back. He's back <laughs> working for him. Yeah, that was pretty good when uh, Mando walks in and he sees him and all these little jets of moisture <laughs> shoot <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is the episode where uh, Grogu uh, takes the kids' cookies in the yes. classroom, right? <laughs> yeah. The little cookie thief, the macaroon thief. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing is that throughout the, the first and, and second season up to that episode, there's always the potential that a Jedi can go to the dark side. And and what is that path? 
And I don't think stealing is the Jedi way. So I was kind of like a little nervous, like, oh, no. Now, now, true, the kid with the cookies was a real putz. But with Grogu right in, in like, yeah, and, you know, force, force lifting them, I don't know. Well, you know, people had said, you know, he, oh, he's fearful. He's, you know, he could go to the dark side and... And he did steal the cookies. It's like, ah, I don't think stealing the cookies is the worst thing he's done. No, I mean, there's yeah. still, you know, he's, whether it's the shift knob or the cookies or whatever, it's like, he's a kid. He's, you know, he sees something, he wants it, he takes it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty normal thing for a little kid to do. It's not, you know, they don't have self-control or anything when they're little, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not like he choked the kid to get the cookies out. Right. Yeah, there different. you go. Yeah. Still in the back of my mind, I was like, hmm, not quite the Jedi way. But, uh, oh, look, th- this episode had a lot of great development, um, hearkening back to prior episodes. I mean, all the experiments that they were doing with the kid, uh, with Grogu uh, cloning, you know, and there were a lot of people on the interwebs were like, wait, is, is, this, a, is this a caveat or a throwback to the rise of skywalker and the, the cloning dark dark magic well i mean uh, they come across that lab and uh, yeah uh, you I, see the I hologram and that's when you find out okay that when I, they still yeah, want right right I, I didn't think about that when i first saw it but maybe yeah i mean you got the hologram too where it's like he explains it right out there you know they're looking for the kid they still need his dna or his blood or whatever to continue in their cloning right yeah you know i think that's when uh when mando realizes oh man i left him behind again (laughs) i gotta get back and get the kid i did think it was an attempt to tie into the new trilogy um and maybe it's an attempt to sort of validate it or you know I think there's a lot of negative feelings towards the new trilogy and maybe they thought, well, if we take a popular show like Mandalorian and sort of tie it together, maybe it'll kind of take away some of those negative feelings towards that trilogy. I I don't know. Um, But it, they sure looked a lot like the clones that were in rise of Skywalker. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a good story. Don't get me wrong. Either way. It works. Well, it was very exciting to have them go in and raid the base. And, and they had a lot of fun callbacks to things we had seen before. I mean, when they they um, made the, the poor uh, schmuck go out on the control pad over the lava, it's like, who are the engineers in the Empire designing these things where you got to go out over the lava to, to, you know, get to the reactor controls? It's, it's and there's like, no guardrail. Yeah, no guardrail. Okay, great design, guys. But, you know, of course, you're going to watch that and you're going to remember Obi-Wan and Star Wars. And, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like we've seen this before. And we know the Empire has these crazy control pads that have no guardrails way up over something dangerous. Why? Who knows? I No one knows, but that's we've seen it before. So we know that's the way they do it. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was nice to see Grief Karga and Cara Dune again. And we saw that they'd 
you know, built the town up. It was really nice. They had the school and everything. And there was like a statue of IG-88 in the town center. I had to go back and look at it again. Uh, so that was nice. And nice Cara touch. Dune is the marshal little, now. Little man tear for uh, Larry on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the chase with the uh, the little uh, uh, troop carrier and the, the TIE fighters. bikes. Yeah. I, I, I love the spear bikes going down the hill and I'm like, oh man, that is so cool. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and the first two wipe out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that added to the coolness. <laughs> so here we go, great chase, and then one bumps into a rock and hits the other and they both blow up. I mean, this gets back to what you were saying, Bob, about it feeling like a, a movie every week. It really does feel like you get a Star Wars movie every week. For, for for eight weeks and then you have to wait. <laughs> yeah, year. then then we all have to you know go through our withdrawal symptoms for a while until we get something else cool to watch. See, this is where yeah. Disney Plus, you know, it's like okay, Mandalorian just ended. They should have something to pick up right away, whether it's Wandavision or something. You know, keep the new stuff coming, keep people excited. Because now, like, I like are a lot of people dropping. Disney Plus again to pick it up again next year. Yeah, it might just be you know the over geek in me, but I enjoy that behind the scenes series. Uh, it's not Imagineering, although the Imagineering series on Disney Plus is great too. What the Marvel six one six or that's a good one too. But they have this. Series well, they had a roundtable they- with the directors from Mandalorian from last season. Yeah. Yeah, that's the series. I can't think of the name of it, but they... The gallery uh, or... Yeah, the Disney gallery or something like that. And they they have the roundtable with the directors. They get into... um, They didn't just do blue screen. They actually had like these huge monitors that they would backlight or light up. and, And that was the scenery of the planet. And so they were able to limit their travel budgets and and then they were saying that going into the filming of the second season they were able to utilize that by you know filming different actors in different parts of the screen so that they weren't violating any covid mm-hmm. you know i'll tell you what they didn't want tom cruise jumping in there and chewing him out so they <laughs> yeah i think they called that the volume the volume yes <clears throat> so yeah I'm that thing was forward. crazy Hopefully they do it again for this season. I heard they were going to do it. I don't know if they were going to have a multi-part show or just a special, but they're going to do some kind of follow-up. Because the last one was like eight parts. They did like one episode on the, on each episode or on each director yeah. as they you know, went through their episode. But Yeah, so I'm hoping, you know, we get one or more of those this go-round. Um, you know, there's there's the new Pixar movie, coming out and there's not that i'm advocating that you keep your disney subscription active. <laughs> well isn't <laughs> wandavision well, coming out like in january middle of january i think okay so it's not too long yeah so what about the next episode the jedi like, that was a good one that was amazing i'm i'm a big big fan of ahsoka tano uh, again, a Filoni creation, Dave Filoni for the uh, Clone Wars. And, you know, she's famously 
Anakin Skywalker's only Padawan learner. And um, ah, Rosario Dawson did such an epic. Well, plus epic. it's, you know, the very, the, you know, the samurai feel of the entire episode. You know, like it was mm-hmm. like right out of a, a samurai film and it was great. Total Kurosawa feel to it. I agree with you. I mean, it was just like, wow. And Diana Lee Inosanto. Amazing, amazing performance. Do you know where she's from or her mm-hmm. background? Diana Lee basically got the middle name from Bruce Lee. Inosanto, he was a student of Bruce Lee. It's his daughter. Yeah. He's the one who introduced Bruce Lee to the nunchucks. And then he also, if you ever saw a game of death, mm-hmm. and Bruce Lee has to make his way up the different floors of the building before he battles Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the top. One of those floors was Danny Nosanto with the nunchucks fighting him. And so, yeah, just her lineage is, you know, classic. So to have her in the episode was really cool. Saw the movie and played the game back in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we could go on a whole episode on Game of Death. That was... (laughs) <laughs> the way that was kind of patched together and all, but yeah. Well, we might have to do a Bruce Lee episode one of these days. Fine by me. I got my collector's edition DVD set, so um, go yeah. Mother-in-laws. I mean, Ahsoka again, one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. So I was really excited to see how they would bring her to live action, and it did not disappoint. That beginning was just perfect with the. Mm. The mist and the trees and and everything and uh, yeah, it was just a, a great episode. The the way they joined forces, uh, her interactions with uh, the child, and then finding out the name and a little bit of his backstory, having been at the temple. So it it actually kind of raises more questions than it answers because now we know that Grogu was basically at the temple, probably in the time of the prequels, may have known Yoda, is maybe connected to Yoda, has, you know, it could be a father, who knows? Well, I mean, if this takes place, if this takes place five years after Jedi, and Grogu is supposedly like 50 Mm -hmm. years old, so yeah, he would have been right there through the whole thing with Yoda and all that. Because so, yeah. they said the Empire lasted for some, something like 30 years because a lot of people were trying to figure out, well, if Luke and Leia are this old and Vader is this, then Obi-Wan would be how old? Then when did Episode 3 take place? So in any case, without getting into the numbers game, yes, Grogu is the kid's name. And the Mandalorian has such delight in saying, Grogu? <laughs> <laughs> Grogu? What? <laughs> The hell do you want? <laughs> and yeah. yet again, we find a new force power that we were not aware of before, where two Jedi or two force users can communicate with each other. And that's how we learned the baby's name. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because they're just kind of sitting there staring at each other. They're not really talking or signing or anything else. It was just. Right. Kind of just communing through the force. Yeah. You know, one of the things I will say, as much as I love Ahsoka, 
in uh, Return of the Jedi when Yoda tells Luke, when when gone am I, last of the Jedi will you be? And then, you know, before you go, but, but there is another. What? Your sister? So we were led to believe at Return of the Jedi there were just two Jedi left, whereas, well, no, there might be one or two or three or four. <laughs> we, we, look, it, it's okay. I, I, I love Ahsoka. I love the idea that there are more than just one Jedi left in the Star Wars universe. Well, technically, she left the Jedi because they were such putzes to her. <laughs> they were. They were. They, they were. didn't. They didn't believe in her. They they kind of threw her to the wolves, and then they yeah. said, "Oh, you can come back and join us." And she's like, "No, nope, not interested." Yeah. Whoops, so we she made a really, mistake. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't a Jedi. She she said, "Forget it," and she did her own thing. So, well, the, the, you know, yeah, that 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 is true. Um, but but in any case, the, the whole concept of her training. Um, Grogu to become a Jedi and, and the Mandalorian thinking, you know, there was that one scene where, you know, okay, kid, this is goodbye. And this is, and you know, the man tears started welling up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, there's this Jerry Lewis movie called uh, Geisha boy uh, where uh, he has this little kid that, you know, grows on him. And Jerry Lewis plays this magician. And the, the gag in the movie is that his rabbit, Harry, is almost like a Bugs Bunny, even though it's a real rabbit. It's like um, more human than than animal, and and he loses the rabbit, and the rabbit doesn't want to like do stuff in the magic act. Anyway, Jerry Lewis has to say goodbye to the kid, and it just ah, <laughs> totally. It gets to me now. I'm getting a little verklempt thinking about it. But anyway, <laughs> Mando saying goodbye to the kid, and then Ahsoka says. You know, I'm jumping ahead, though. Wasn't there like this huge battle in the town? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, sorry, guys. <laughs> skip over all the action here. I did skip over all the action. Straight to the man tears. <laughs> but well, no, so I mean, it was, it was basically, you know, it was a great battle in the city and the big samurai standoff at the end. And actually, you had two standoffs. You had Mando right. in a Western style standoff mm -hmm. and then you had ahsoka in the like samurai classic type standoff yeah it, it was cool that they decided to team up <laughs> and you know uh go ahead and rescue the villagers basically um and, and i was thinking is that why ahsoka was there to rescue these villagers what's the, what's the big deal with the villagers ah but there's more she was well, after information to go find anyone, anyone? Well, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, again, amazing that they're bringing this character uh, who we saw in, in the animated series Rebels. But this was part of the, the um, novelization part of the Star Wars galaxy, which Disney annexed a lot of, of that stuff. Of those books and those characters, but Grand Grand Admiral Thrawn survived that purge, and and now is in you know Star Wars proper canon. Very exciting, very exciting news when I saw that. Well, she's getting her own series, so that might be the jump off point for that. 
get could be, uh, you know, maybe Sabine's going to be part of that and, and they go after Ezra. I mean, that might be the continuation of that story. They may go in a completely different direction. Um, I love kind of going back again, sorry, the discussion she had with why she can't train Grogu and, you know, there's fear and explaining that the greatest of us can fall. We have to be careful in who we train. And that was, you know, talking about Anakin. Um, God, what an amazing series. Just tying all this legacy, you know, across different chapters and different stories and, and characters. It's just a wonderful, wonderful time to be a fan. <laughs> well, she sort of she sort of screws Mando in a sense because she says she'll she'll train him if he helps her out with fighting the forces in the city, which he does. But then, you know, at the end, she's like, ah, you know, I can't train him. He's got an attachment to you, but you know, you could go do this other thing. And I thought, well, you know, that seems kind of like a passing the buck, uh, on her part. And I, I do think it's sort of her hang up is like, yeah, her master, you know, became a dark lord and so she's she's very averse to training anybody who shows any fear so well and like you said she she's had bad history with the jedi um mm-hmm. so i i think what she gave him ultimately worked out a hell of a lot better well <laughs> for, yeah for rogu but um you know mando I, to his credit, he understood it, and maybe part of it is he wanted to keep the kid around longer, you know, and extend um, that journey. Um, he look, he he loved that kid. I mean, it was like that. Like I said, if you get a chance to watch Geisha Boy with Jerry Lewis, you're going to see a lot of similarities. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, and I, I don't want to miss that. Um we started to talk about the, the two showdowns. What about Michael Bean being in the episode? Oh, yes, that was another good uh, cameo guest star. He's He has quite the pedigree. Terminator, Aliens, I mean, you know, Kyle Reese. Kyle freaking Reese <laughs> was in this episode. Uh, that's like gold. Yeah. And he's, you know, he pulls a pretty slimy move on Mando there. Right. Like like Bob, you know, like Bob said, it was total Western showdown. Oh yeah. That was classic Western. Just, you know, putting the gun down and okay, I give up and then pulling the other gun and getting shot. I mean, yeah, it's go back to all your spaghetti Westerns. I was going to say you could almost insert the music. But no, I mean, but that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it basically played off their backgrounds because he's basically a Western character, and she's mm-hmm. a samurai type character. So, right, as a lot right. of the Jedi is, are, are yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition he, of the two genre. Plus, he gets his Beskar spear. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I like. Seemed like kind of like a offhanded thing until later on well right so uh we are going to now take grogu to tython 
Typhon, we're told, has a temple, an ancient temple, a Jedi temple. And um, Ahsoka says, take Grogu there and, and he can tap into the force and reach out. And if he wants to find a Jedi or whatever, uh, Jedi magic, uh, the Metachlorians. Oh, woo, I said the M word. That is M count. <laughs> right. So... Um, and then what really like surprised me pleasantly is who shows up to confront Mando? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Yeah. And God, I mean, that actor is the same guy who played Jango Fett, which makes sense because he was the source of the clones and, you know, the clone warriors and, and everything. And, and I love that he looks beaten up he takes off the mask he's scarred i mean he survived the sarlacc yeah that the the digestive juices of the sarlacc is no joke no joke it it digested the bottom part of his armor all he had left (laughs) was the top armor (laughs) well i mean you saw how beat up and dinged up that armor was so you got to figure how beat up and dinged up he was underneath it Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean, look, to be fair, if, if we take a look at Mando and how he got out of the the um, crate dragon, you know, maybe Boba had a thermal detonator or something that he was able to finagle his way. Will we ever learn what happened? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But in any case, there's Boba. And uh, he has a very good conversation with Mando. Whether or not he was willing to kill Grogu or not, or it was just the threat, we'll never know. But... Um, what is the saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So when the empire, the remnants of the empire show up, oh, that's right, because those bastards put a tracking device on the Razor Crest. Yep. Ah, one of the oldest tricks in the empire's huh. book. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't disable the hyperdrive. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, th- this was a great episode. And, and the thing is, is after the excitement and the hoopla of Ahsoka Tano and, and that whole Jedi story, what direction were they going to go? My fear was that it wasn't going to be as exciting an episode. But honestly, in my book, it was more exciting than the prior episode. It really built on uh, a whole nother structure and story revolving uh, Grogu's journey. Well, we had that hint of Boba Fett in the first episode. We had to wait, what, five or six before it paid off? Five, right, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think it would be this season, honestly. I thought, well, maybe he'll come at, maybe at the end, maybe he would show up working for Moff Gideon. Right. You know, I I just did not see him coming back at this point, and I never saw him teaming up with Mando, so that was a real surprise. It was epic. And then Fennec shows up as well. Um, yeah, that was bizarre. She opens up and she's got like all these pistons and stuff. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? Let's go with it. All right. She, yeah, well, hey, you know, if Boba could uh, survive the Sarlacc, she survived. Who knows what's under uh, Boba's shirt? But anyway, I'm glad they didn't show us any of that. Uh, <laughs> One of the things that I, I liked was his fighting style because they start fighting the stormtroopers land and and mayhem ensues and the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and he was like beating the crap out of these stormtroopers 
uh, with a gaffy stick, and it was, it was like a Maori kind of um, feel to it, you know, the way that he battled them. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not. Well, I mean, I have to say the fights in The Mandalorian, the kind of refreshing thing about them is unlike other action films and action series, not everybody knows martial arts. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, like Mandalorian, you know, Mando's fighting style is just basically he's punching, you know, once in a while he'll kick, but, you know, he's not doing big roundhouse kicks and flip his, flips and, you know, karate mm-hmm. chops and whatever. It's like, because, you know, most it's like, Oh yeah, they know they know martial arts too. You know, that's like the <laughs> the only exciting fighting style people can think of. Whereas, yeah, I mean, this is more Western. It's more Western type stunt fighting. Yeah, exactly. It, it was it was great. Yeah, Boba really went to town with that gaffy stick. I mean, it was pretty brutal uh, attacks on those stormtroopers. And again, being Disney, there's not like blood flying everywhere, but you know, those no, helmets were plas- shattered. Yeah, there's plastic flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Bob, I, I think you're right. You know, when you think about fighting styles, you, you know, you don't see Mando, you know, doing like flying sidekicks or stuff like that. They kind of cater it to each character. Like Cara Dune gets very physical with people, but it's not, you know, it's fits her body type, right? So she's a, yeah. a big lady. So she's like kind of shoving people around and slamming them and stuff. And, uh, you know, whereas with some of the other folks, they are doing more of sort of like sidekicks or they're, you know, knocking people's knees out or whatever. They're more agile. They're smaller. So they do some of the more kind of gymnastic stuff. But it it makes sense whatever they're doing for you know, who they are, their size and their background. No, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of see uh, in a later episode more of a close combat thing with Boba Fett, another character and the different styles. Um, right. Because one is smaller than him and jumping around like a little monkey. And he's just kind of like this tree in the forest. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny once he got his armor back. Uh, that was definitely his little star moment, you know, because I think everybody wanted to see oh, yeah. a, a Boba Fett at the height of his powers. And man, he had all kinds of gadgets flying off of him, shooting stuff at people. And of course, the the finale where he takes, I thought it was a, a little far-fetched where he took down the two troop transports. But, you know, they gave him his big star moment that he everybody his Boba Fett fans wanted so yeah but that's that, the, was, a, that was a funny thing though because like Mando's like oh nice shot and he's like oh I was shooting for the other one <laughs> yeah. I was aiming for the other ship right he's got that gravelly voice I saw an interview uh, or read an interview with Tamara Morrison uh, about his return to the role and of course he couldn't reveal anything about the fact that apparently he's going to be doing a lot more but he he said uh, to your point, Larry, that yeah, he did want to include a little bit of his uh, heritage in the fighting style. And then he said he also, you know, they talked to him about how he had come back from the Sarlacc pit, and he said, "Well, I thought I should have a gravelly voice." So he purposely put a little gravel in his sound. To- I think the thing that amazed me most was. In between episodes, he was able to repaint his armor. 
Maybe he found a droid somewhere and threatened him. Could have been Stark tech that he borrowed from uh, (laughs) Spider-Man. That's right. Yeah, I think Boba Fett's in Spider-Man 3 as well, right? (laughs) Returning, reprising his role as Boba Fett in Spider-Man 3. Tamara Morrison. Yes. Good one. (laughs) Oh, Lord. It all ties together. It's all Disney now. It's all, right? Exactly. It's John Favreau. It, it all ties together. <laughs> I'm going to be in Spider-Man 3 too, you putzes. <laughs> I own this company. Well, Spider-Man Joy 3 is kind of the Spider-Verse, so you know you could have a Spider-Mouse in there. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so this Whoa. brings us to... The destruction of the Razor Crest. Oh, that oh man! Surprised the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that thing wasn't just. I mean, that thing was just like blown to bits. I mean, all, all he found right was like the Beskar spear. It was like the yeah, only his, thing left. His, his massive uh, Mandalorian electrical gun was gone. Ah, that was sad. Oh. And, and the the knob off the gear shift. Oh. Uh, Baby man tear moment when he found the knob. <laughs> <laughs> in his little ouch. Uh, so, Larry, a uh, shift knob and it's all over. Oh, God. Um, but mayhem ensues. Or uh, Grogu, the, the little force protection. Oh, I don't know what that thing was. Force field? Force, force field? A force, force field. The communing tube. Yeah, um, yeah. was it a force field or was it, yeah, it was supposed to be some means of sending out a signal to the Jedi or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah. The Mandalorian couldn't, uh, Mando couldn't, you know, reach in there and grab it, kept on getting thrown away. So it, it goes down just at the time that the dark troopers. Yeah, he, tucker, he tuckers out just at the right time. Yeah, it was just at the wrong time, timing, right? You know, those dark troopers looked like I, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed the Micronauts, the little toys. Baron. Do you remember Baron Carza? Yes, I, I have that figure still. <laughs> and of course, Baron Carza was supposed to look sort of like Darth Vader. So I guess it all goes in a circle. Baron Carza and Force Commander. Yep. And the, well, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh Micronauts in another episode, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, they, they did. I guess they're based off of a video game is what I read. Yeah, I heard that as well, that they, they were in a Star Wars video game, which I haven't played yet. So, yeah. But then, yeah, so our dear Grogu, um, you know, there's a great moment too going back to the beginning of the episode where he's like, well, we're not going to be able to land by the temple. We're going to have to get there by other means and and the kids in the arms of the mandalorian going we got to go with the windows down yeah i gotta go with the windows down yeah that that was cool seeing him fly over there with his jet packet which he takes off because boba you know threatens him and then of course because he doesn't have the jet pack he can't fly back up there and stop the Dark troopers from taking Grogu. So. Oh, but go going back to a previous episode though. There's that scene where you know a bunch of aliens show up to to get the kid, and the one yes like trades the kid for the jetpack, and he's <laughs> as he's walking off with the jetpack, Mondo just like touches his wrist, and 
the, th- the jet pack and the guy just take off into the sky and you see the guy just fall hundreds of feet splat on the ground and and then you know, a jet pack I want to say it, it was a, a uh, not a Jedi it was a Jawa like what mercenary or something and it would have yeah. been great if when he hit the jet pack you heard a Utini <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that one, I, it was funny, Bob. I was thinking about that when we went past the episode, and I thought, oh, I forgot to mention that. That was a funny moment. And, of course, he's got Grogu in his arms, and he kind of looks up at him like, you really did that? Like, it's kind of <laughs> like, and it's like Mando just kind of shrugs. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think, I can't remember who coined the phrase. Maybe it was Spielberg, like a Disney moment. And usually, like in the Disney films, you'd have like a bunch of guys running, and there's always like one guy trailing behind. Yeah. <laughs> or like close encounters, or where the ships went around the hill, and there was that one little ship trailing behind. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's like the jetpack makes a really nice landing, <laughs> and then a couple of seconds later, it just falls over. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of that delayed kind of humorous moment at the end that uh, same with when the razor crest went into warp and that little door or whatever is like floating behind yeah. in space but <laughs> yeah that was a great moment um so jumping so back into the episode we're in jumping back it so uh, the, the kids on board the moth gideon's uh Oh, is it an imperial ship or a remnant ship? Yes, yeah, I think they said it was a light cruiser. Okay, not a full star destroyer. And he he's confronted then by was it that episode where where Moff Gideon talks to him, or is it the beginning of the next episode? I'm I'm thinking it's at the end of the the tragedy where he shows him the the dark saber and he's like, Oh, right. Cause he's throwing those stormtroopers left. Right. And right. Yeah. Cause they, they stun him at the end and put him to sleep or whatever. But yeah. And I'm thinking, don't turn to the dark side kid. Cause yeah, he, seemed, he seemed to pretty much enjoy flipping those, those stormtroopers back and forth and over and under and around and up and down. Yeah. That was a little disconcerting. <laughs> well, who knows what they were doing to him before, you know, cause you had yeah. that one, Last season, you had that one stormtrooper where Grogu was in the bag and he's like punching the bag. Yeah. So you could have, you know, another one or two sadistic stormtroopers doing God knows what. Yeah. So, well, you know, one of the things that was kind of inconsistent for me was Ahsoka telling Mando Grogu's afraid to use his powers because he doesn't want people to know. But maybe he felt thre- felt threatened, and so that's mm-hmm. why he started choking them and, and throwing them around. It was more of a defensive. You have to decide when you cross that line. Yeah. And, you know, he's a 50-year-old kid, so he doesn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we leave Chapter 14, The Tragedy. And um, we go to, what is it? The Believer, Chapter 15. And uh, Marshall Dune, we come to find out, yes. uh, uses her uh, her new standing in the New Republic to transfer prisoner Mayfield into her charge. 
Mando's asking her, hey, you know, can you get a hold of Mayfield? And she's like, uh, you know, I don't know. And he says, oh, they got the kid. And she's like all in. And and once again, we see like not not an Imperial Walker, but kind of like that frame used to very like, what is it like? Junk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Used like yeah, a crane. Yeah, yeah. Which was really cool. I, I thought it's it's those little details that um Ah, uh, you know what I forgot to talk about too, or we forgot to talk about in the prior episode. When you know everything is done, Mando shows the lineage of, you know, his father was Django and the and the armor and whatever. Um You mean Boba? Boba, sorry to yeah. Mando and, and Mando like accepts it and like, oh okay, you know, you can keep the armor. And then Bob had said, well, the armor got a fresh new coat of paint. <laughs> I mean, that armor looked more new than it did in Empire Strikes Back when we originally met Boba Fett. But, hey, they got bigger budgets in this series. Hey, what can I who, say? Who knows how long it took him to get from one planet to the other. He might have had a lot of time on his hands and a few paints, <laughs> a few cans of paint in the bottom of the uh, ship and... <laughs> in anticipation of eventually getting his armor back. It, it fit him a lot better, too. It, it well, it's did. red and green. It could have been like, you know, cr- leftover Christmas paint or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they get Mayfield and they decide that he can figure out where Moff Gideon's ship, ship is. Because, because he still had the Imperial codes. Yeah. So, uh, what is there? An Imperial mining hub on the planet Morak, which kind of reminded me of Space Giants. The evil... Rodak. Rodak. (laughs) Cousin to Morak. But anyway. (laughs) So, you know, Mayfield in the first season, he 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 did an okay job, but he didn't really strike me as anything extraordinary. And I was kind of puzzled, honestly. Why did they pick him? Mm-hmm. You know, to be the one to be the the person with the imperial or access to the imperial codes and all that stuff. They could have picked anyone. That episode in the first season with the prisoners was probably my least favorite episode from the first season. Uh, so I was not looking forward to this because I thought, oh, they're going to bring that guy in, and he's so obnoxious. Uh, but boy, did I do a 180 on that. Yeah, you know, he was really good in this know. episode. And he's sort and, of the, you know, that, you know oh. the one that I think convinces Mando that, you know, hey, it's okay to take this armor off, you know. Yeah, that, that whole conversation about why why do you have the helmet on? To cover your face or, you know, to hide your what? Um, like, yeah, is the rule that you have to cover your face or is the rule that you have to wear the helmet? And, mm-hmm. you know, have you even thought about these things? I mean, the yeah, title was The Believer. And there's a lot of there's a lot of moments in this episode about how people's belief systems affect not only their lives, but other people's lives. Well, he already broke one rule by made. taking the uh, Mando armor off and putting on the Stormtrooper armor. Right. All for the kid. You know, in, in an earlier episode, they're uh, having soup or some kind of a, a meal on the Razor Crest, and it's just Mando and the kid. And Mando doesn't take off his helmet. He, he lifts it a little so he can eat. So, 
you know, he took this very, very seriously. So the kid was like trying to take a peek at that time. <laughs> well, well, I, I thought that was odd because I thought that as long as they were among their own family, they could take their helmet off. That was my impression. But, you know, apparently, I don't know if that's the case or this Mando takes it super seriously. But then, you know, this episode is it tells us exactly how far he's willing to go right. for the kid. And that obviously the kid is the most important thing in his life, period. So we finally actually find that out at the end in his little speech to uh, Moff Gideon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I'm starting everything. to think about everything and I'm, I'm just kind of choking up here. So bear with me. Well, and yeah, he he basically takes Moff Gideon's words and throws them back in his face, right? But it has much more meaning. Well, I think the great thing about that speech is Moff Gideon is just speechless. Right. He's not standing there going, oh, no, you won't. Yeah, he's just like standing standing there like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah he yeah. probably never thought anybody would have the balls to stand up to him to say, I'm, I'm coming after you. And maybe right. he didn't realize the attachment that the two of them had mm-hmm. until that point. Right. I mean, the other aspect of this episode, which was really stunning to me, was the fact that we had people talking about, you know, when Mayfeld is sitting there with his former commanding officer, and that guy is such a piece of oh. crap. And he's going on about, oh, all these people, well, they died for the glory of the empire and blah, blah, blah. And and Mayfeld is obviously, you know, he's a guy who's distressed. Maybe he's still having PTSD from all the stuff he went through, you know, but he's just like, uh, well, was it good for them? Was it good for all the people who died? Was it, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I mean, we saw some stuff in Rogue One where you realized the impact that, you know, the wars were taking on people but you know basically like star wars has always been just about fun and you know bang bang here's stuff going on and it's just for fun but they've given us some things here where it's like oh okay you're throwing some more kind of adult material at us a little bit um which was really unexpected you know and uh yeah the actor there uh bill barr did a really good job kind of delivering that and i mean i did not at a certain point, you knew, oh, my God, he's probably going to shoot this guy. <laughs> and you see Mando, like, shaking his head a little bit, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't expect anything like that from this episode. I just figured it's another action-packed episode. So that was really intriguing. Well, the other kind of underlying thing in the episode that was perfect was the way he acted once he took the helmet off. And then uh-huh. suddenly he realizes he's got to sit down for a meal with this guy and the whole time he looks so damn uncomfortable, mm-hmm. almost like you're sitting there naked. Right. Yeah. You know, like, uh, what do I do? What do I say? What do, you know? Yeah, no. And, and I think the way that Mayfield asserted, look, I didn't see your face after everything was said and done. One of the things that struck me, too, is when they were talking to his ex-Imperial commander, most of the Imperial commanders that we've seen in, in Star Wars thus far are always British, you know. <laughs> yeah. We will attack the target and we, you know, have tea afterwards. This guy <laughs> sounded like the the redneck in um, 
Oh God, what's the name of the movie? George Kennedy, Steve McQueen, and it's um. Anyway, the guy's like, "What we have here is failure." Oh, to communicate. Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke, and I hated that guy. He was in charge of the prisoners. This imperial commander reminded me of him. Well, there was glory to the empire. And <laughs> it was a great day. And I'm like, oh, shoot him. Shoot him. <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> exactly, Bob. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, it was quite a scene. You know, he shoots him and then everybody's just kind of like, what? <laughs> I mean, the what plan was to sneak in, sneak out, right? Yeah. Now it's said like sneak in and shoot out. Yeah, exactly. You just I, had to I get will... to the top of the the facility, and then Boba's ship would come in and. But a boom. Yeah. You know, again, the detail. I was looking at this the second time I watched this episode when they're escaping to the roof, and there are little ledges, you know, and the the building is mostly made out of what looks like cement. And you can see where pools of water, whether it was rain or a broken drain or whatever, that kind of colored the cement in different ways. And there were little cracks here and there. It was like more details than you needed to have in a half hour TV show. You, you know what I mean? It was so impressive to me. It really that's the stuff that draws you in, you know, visually. Yeah. Well, that kind of harkens back to the original Star Wars and George Lucas's whole thing of. I don't want, you know, pristine ships. I want ships that have, they're beaten and they're stinged up and scratched and, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. So the whole, you right. know, the whole universe of Star Wars became that. Yeah, it's lived in. It's It's been there a while. It, right. And and it just it just gives that sense of reality, sense of belonging, belonging if you will. Um, you know, we're, we're part of that universe. We're living it with them, if you will. Um, although as a voyeuristic kind of, uh, <laughs> viewer. We're living in it on our couches. There, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and now it was really exciting, though, when they escaped and Boba used the, the sonic charge. I, I'm not a big fan of the prequels, but I always love that sound effect. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. They're just I, giving I, us what we want. <laughs> <laughs> Fan service. Yeah. That, hey, that there's moment, of, that there's moment of silence where everything just, you know, the ship just shooting and then oh my God. There, there's good ways to do fan service. I mean, you know, I mean, actually, this whole series, if you think about it, is fan service. They didn't have to give us a a show that would, you know, bring the Star Wars universe to TV, but they did, so. Well, the whole thing is just Favreau and Filoni, like two kids sitting on the floor with their Star Wars toys. <laughs> and, you know, okay, and then Boba Fett comes flying in, and then, you know. <laughs> you know, Bob, I would love to have a conversation with those two and ask them, did you ever play any of this out with your toys when you were kids? You know, did you know? <laughs> They're playing with it now. That would be interesting. And you could tell Filoni's background, you know, in the series you were talking about earlier where they talked to each of the directors and, you know, and yeah, yeah, you could just tell he was, he was like having a blast just throwing stuff in. Oh man. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, 
if they had the three of us working on a star, we should do an episode. If, if we were to do a Star Wars show, who would be in it and what would our first episode entail? <laughs> well, that's kind of what Spider-Man 3 is going to be. <laughs> so let's move on to the last episode because we're like... And I was going to say, yeah, say, okay, kids, this gets us into The Rescue, Chapter 16, <laughs> Episode 8 of uh, the second season so you know it, it opens up with an imperial shuttle being chased by slave one and it's like oh man who do we find out is on that shuttle but that freaking dr pershing the the clone <laughs> guy freaking dr per- forever or. known as freaking dr pershing <laughs> and um again we we get a glimpse into uh, a loyal imperial soldier. I mean, he shoots shoots the co-pilot because <laughs> he's like <laughs> the co-pilot's like, oh, we're not uh, look, we're not um, ironclad under this. Well, well, we can negotiate. He's like, no, we can't. Well, yeah, it's the ideologies again, right? This guy really believes. It's just like the the Valen Hiss, the the uh, officer was talking about. They don't want freedom. They want order, right? Yeah. So. Right. You know, the two ideologies, freedom and order. Bringing order to I, the universe. Mm-hmm. Plus, he admitted that he was on the original Death Star. Yeah. 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 Because he's and, talking about Alderaan and the fact that it doesn't exist and Mandalore doesn't exist. And I don't know why he would push Cara Dune like that. She's got a gun on him and, you know. Well, he had, a, yeah, yeah, he had a gun on Pershing, though, and he was just like, I think he thought he had the upper hand and he was just gloating away. Yeah. What a dumbass. Exactly. But it but it is interesting that he's like sitting there saying, you know, I, millions died on the Death Star and you t- you know, a bunch of terrorists. He called the yeah. people of Alderaan terrorists. So they're pointing us to different viewpoints. And even in the previous episode, you know, when the uh, – when Mando and, and Mayfeld make it in with the truck, we see all the guys, you know, cheering and, you know, they're TIE fighter pilots and stormtroopers all cheering and stuff. It's like it makes you think a little bit like to the grunts. It's like, hey, this is our side. and You know, we're doing the right thing. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, whatever side you're on, whether you're good or evil or not or whatever, you always think what you're doing is right. Right. You believe in the cause, and that's what that guy, you know, he, he believed in the cause. Even though there was there was no emperor, per se, he still believed, I guess, in what the empire stood for. Right, and, they were... And whatever he understood it to to be, I mean... Mm-hmm. They were going to come back. Right. Uh, so but he, he was brought up do, and trained but, and everything else, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so this episode just starts off... Uh, you know, with a bang, just exciting, a million miles a, a minute, if you will. And um, they catch up to Moff Gideon. You know, they use the Imperial shuttle and they, you know, fake Boba Fett shooting at them. And well, well, wait a second. Uh, they they go and meet uh, Bo Katan and her lieutenant. Right. Sorry about that. I skipped over that part. So go ahead, Walker. They they meet Bo Katan. They have a discussion. Yeah, which was pretty interesting because it was kind of cool to see Mando and Boba Fett kind of uh, stomp into this bar <laughs> and uh, everybody starts clearing out. And uh, 
that they have a little altercation with Bo-Katan, and, and I uh, do not remember the name of her lieutenant there. Koska Reeves. Koska Reeves. And she smarts off. They smart off a little bit to Boba because they know his history, that he's a clone. And uh, she makes some nasty remarks to him about, he says something about his father. This is my father's armor. And she's like, oh, don't you mean your donor? Yeah. And man, she's a very unlikable character, I got to say. She plays it well. She did the same thing with the Starbuck character in Battlestar Galactica. I thought there's moments where you think she's vulnerable and you feel for her. And there are other moments where you just hate her, you know, choice of of actions that she takes. And, uh, yeah, then they have the, the little fight between Boba and Koska. And that was kind of uh, interesting. I think you kind of referred to it earlier. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the, the big tree and the little monkey jumping around. <laughs> just kind of like falling like a ton of bricks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, then uh, Mando basically says, well, we know where Moff Gideon is. And, and, you know, Bo-Katan is all concerned about Gideon and the dark saber. And, and Mando's just like, look, I don't care about any of that. I just want the kid. So it's clear that, you know, he doesn't care about the Mandalorian homeworld. He doesn't care about being the ruler or getting the dark saber, any of that. He just wants to get the kid back. Yeah, he doesn't care about Gideon. He doesn't care about the Empire. He Nothing. The kid. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, that kind, uh, you know, in love and devotion that he has, that's what, you know, just even now I, I feel like just breaking down and having a good sob. I mean, that well, is, hold on, because it's going to get even worse for you. So I know, I know. I'm, I'm going to defer back to you guys right now while I collect myself. <laughs> but I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, getting on the light cruiser and then we see that uh, they have like an entire room. Full of, you know, the dark troopers. <laughs> I know, you're just like, oh, crap. <laughs> Mando was supposed to, like, dis- disarm the door or whatever, and he was too late. One squeezes through and gives him a really good fight. Oof. And you realize, well, there's a whole lot more in there. And, and how did he get rid of them? He flushes them into space. And I'm like, wait a minute, they have jetpacks. <laughs> they don't need oxygen. Well, yeah, that's how they come back later. Yeah, you knew it was going to be a problem. Yeah, he well, got the crap beaten out of him. It was uh, oh, pretty man. pretty brutal, but uh, that Beskar spear came in handy, thankfully. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't have a concussion after getting his head beaten out of that helmet. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the helmet didn't give at all. No. The wall behind it was giving. Right. But you got to figure his noggin was probably going back and forth like a ping pong ball or something. You guys can't see this, but as Bob's talking, his head's bobbing back. (laughs) Bob bobblehead. That's right. But uh, I'm sure he got shook around pretty good inside that helmet while the pile driver was taking, (laughs) taking his course. So what did you guys think when, when uh, Mando makes it to Grogu and and who should be standing over Grogu, holding the black saber to him, but Moff Gideon? Well, it had to come down to that. Oh, I, oh man, that could have been that could have been the finale right there. 
I thought it was going to be him fighting when I, the before the episode came on. Oh, that would have been a rough finale to go to. But then you realize that you're only like maybe a halfway through the episode at that point. <laughs> yeah. My my original prediction was I thought that we'd end on a cliffhanger and I thought they would duel and it would either be inconclusive or Mando would lose and, and Moff Gideon would take off with the kid. So I was totally surprised by how how that wound up. But then again, Moff Gideon was like, I've got his blood. I don't need him. Here, take him. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a big surprise. You know, and I'm gullible because I totally bought it. I'm like, oh, thank God. You know? Oh, man, I was probably thinking, well, it was that easy? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, I knew that it was, was that easy, I would have just called him up, you know. I, I thought that was a little strange. It was one of those moments where they sort of need the character to do something a little dumb where he's like, okay, I'll just turn my back on you and pick up the kid. It was like, what? This guy's a bounty hunter. He's been everywhere. I, I don't know. I thought that they, it was necessary for the plot. Mm. Um, so that, that I was kind of like, what? He's just going to, you know, let the guy walk away. So yeah, it didn't work a hundred percent, but you know, I let it go. That's the one thing about lightsabers, though. It's like you can't really sneak up on someone with a lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, I I was just so gullible. I I was like, oh, yeah, he's got the baby. And then that bastard just started, like, wailing on him with that dark saber. Thankfully, he hit him uh, only on parts of his body that were covered in Beskar and not in between. (laughs) So... Well, I, I think Mando Moff Gideon didn't fight. realize at first, and then Mando was trying to, you know, he was blocking. So, yeah, he was trying. Yeah. He knew he didn't, couldn't, like, throw his elbow out there. Well, and, and as if things couldn't get worse, right, the the uh, trip alarms or whatever go off on the bridge, which is where all the other heroes are, and those damn dark troopers are, are boarding the ship. <laughs> so... Mando, you know, real quick, well, not real quickly, but he he bests Moff Gideon, gets the kid. They run up to the bridge. And those of you that are familiar with Mandalorian culture realize the big mistake that Mando made. So anyway, Moff Gideon, the snug little or smug little troll that he is, explains, you know, because they're like, what what do you do with the dark saber? And, you know, he's like trying to give it to her here. Take it. Well, you know. And then we can talk about that because, you know, the, the ruler of Mandalore has to win the saber in combat. Mando won the saber in combat. And he explains that it's the story. It's not the saber that has the power in it and this, that and the other. And Mando's like, OK, I yield. Take it. <laughs> I mean, look. Well, anyway. I actually well, thought I- he was going to, like, let her fight him and then just kind of, like, fake give in or whatever. And you won. Here you go. I mean, you could do that, but it wouldn't really be a a just battle. I mean, Moff Gideon tried to kill Mando. Mando didn't kill Gideon because he promised Bo-Katan the kill. That's what he thought she wanted. Because I'm I'm trying to think of like excuses like, well, yeah, just fake it, you know. And but no, she'd really have to best him. Yeah, but in Rebels, Sabine had the saber and she gave it to Bo-Katan, and they didn't fight. So I I'm not sure. Nice. Again, it's like what? What's the rule? Do you wear have to wear the helmet, or do you have to do you have to give them the saber? Or you have to win the saber. So right, 
Make but then again, you've got, you've got all these dark troopers outside the door pounding away at the blast right, door. So here comes. And they're all Woo-hoo. getting ready. They're holding up their guns. And they're going to, you know, here comes the big battle. And then they're, they're hey. beating the door. They, they close the blast doors, but they're coming through. And Gideon says there's a platoon of dark troopers on their way to the bridge. But none of you will survive. And then, and hey, so look, an X Wing. X Wing shows up, and everyone kind of collectively, we, we gasped. I almost jumped off the couch. Well, see, it was like, you know, before the episode, I was saying that he was throwing out all those signals to the Jedi. So some Jedi's got to show up, right? Some Jedi had to show I did up. Not, I did not think it would be the Jedi. So did, did you guys have any theory that, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the Internet. I well, earlier off line, I thought it was going to be Ezra Pritchard from from Rebels. I, uh, I had put on my blog that I hoped it would be Luke, but I didn't think we would see full body Luke in the episode. I thought, oh, maybe we'll hear his voice or maybe we'll see him in, you know, the cloak, but not the face or something. I really, really hoped it would be Luke because of the time and sort of he seemed like the most likely in my mind because he was out seeking, you know, force wielders and stuff. And just because he's my favorite Star Wars character. (laughs) So I was super, super hoping it would be Luke. So I just about lost my mind. What about you, Bob? Who who did you think it might have been? Well, no, I was hoping Luke. But I'm like, it's got to be Luke. It's got to be Luke. But would it be Luke? You know, I, th- I thought, like I say, like the post credit scene would be him showing up and, and taking Grogu. I didn't think there'd be like a whole scene of him just wiping out this whole gaggle of dark troopers and you know, right. saving the day and coming in and pulling off his hood and talking and everything else. I, I, it was definitely not expected. It was amazing. I didn't think it would be Luke because this is a TV show. Yes. It's, it's a very popular TV show, but the last time we saw Luke Skywalker in a TV show, it was a Christmas special. (laughs) Um, You know, the amount of money that they would have to put into, you know, like the grand Moff Tarkin in, in uh, rogue one Carrie Fisher and in, in Rogue One, and I just thought, you know, just financially and just, you know, it's Mark freaking Hamill. Why, why would he reprise, you know, that? And that's why I thought it'd be Ezra, well, maybe Ahsoka. I mean, this this moment for Luke was analogous to the moment for Vader in Rogue One, where you see Luke at full power, right, as a Jedi. You know, this is and and I think in some ways for a lot of people, myself included, I think it sort of redeems our last image of him, which, you know, in in Last Jedi, you know, he's a guy who's lost hope. And I for some of us that that kind of was not the Luke we wanted to see. So now we get to see Luke. Oh, young and in his prime and still hopeful, still, you know, out there doing the good work with the power so sad what's that bob with the power power. to me it it was so sad because that's not the luke that we're going to see exit this well anyway i I won't well his Uh, temple hasn't been you know right he hasn't gone through all the dark things that basically made him give up 
Right, right. right. It was, a, and look, I, I, I still didn't think it was Luke. I thought they're teasing us with the dark cloak. And then when you saw the right gloved hand and the green lightsaber, and I was like, oh my God, they did it. They actually did it. And jumped off off the bed. I mean, I was just like yelling almost top of my lungs. <laughs> like, Yahoo! Um, and one of the things that I kind of regret as a fan that we never saw Luke in his prime other than fighting Vader, you know, on the Death Star and, and trying to fight the Emperor. We never saw a fully fledged kick ass Jedi Luke Skywalker. Um, and, and we did in this episode. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny <laughs> because it's funny because I didn't like wait that long. It was like. All of a sudden, you see the X-Wing flying in, and Michael was there, and he's like, I see R2, <laughs> like in the X-Wing, or in the uh, X-Wing as it's flying in, he sees R2 in there. And then, yeah, he's like, I saw the hilt, I saw the hilt on the sword, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's Luke. But yeah, then, yeah, as soon as the green saber came out, and the way he was fighting, and using the force and everything is like, okay. That's gotta be him. Right. Yep. Yeah, I was kind of like looking forward to him arriving on the bridge and seeing Boba Fett standing there. <laughs> <laughs> that might not have worked out too well. Yeah. Well, and there was Grogu touching the monitor, you know, with mm-hmm. his hand, like Jedi, you know, you, uh, by no means do I have enough metachlorians to, have force power to read Grogu's mind through the TV screen. But <laughs> just that moment, it was, you know, it, it started, it, it, it started the welling up in me. Like, <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm really wondering, you know, cause they had the whole thing between, you know, Mando and Luke and, you know, Grogu holding on to Mando and all that, which oh. I'm sure Larry will get into in a moment, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was when R2 came in. Yeah. And then, you know, he like walked up to, so it's like, you know, is, is there some connection, you know? Yeah. When he had his training, was R2 around or, you know? I wondered that too, Bob, because it almost seemed like R2 recognized him because he shook and he was really excited. And I didn't know, did he recognize him or did he just realize, oh, he's like Yoda? So I, yeah, I wondered about that. Bob, you're, you're going to need to bleep me out because I never considered that. Holy f- my god you know oh jesus that is a oh my god watch it again yeah i mean there's definitely some kind of recognition between the two no i i yeah yeah looks at him and he bends over and he shakes and and uh grogu kind of looks at him and gibbers jabbers a little bit I was just thinking, he's like, oh, what a cute droid. Yeah, I, was, I was so emotionally spent at that point. You probably <laughs> couldn't see so clearly cute. with all the tears and everything. Yeah. <laughs> see, now, now, one thing I want to bring up, which I brought up before the show, was if any listeners remember our first Mandalorian episode. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we were talking about Mando one day maybe taking off his helmet. And Larry went into a whole thing about... Oh, he's going to take off his helmet and the baby's going to like reach out and touch his face. And then Larry said he was going to start blubbering the man tears. Well, it happened. He predicted that exact scene. So 
Walk us through it, Mr. Kakos. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can, but, you know, he, he's, when Luke says he's waiting for your permission. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost him. He's, he's verklempt. Yeah, and the whole thing was pretty tough there, buddy. And, uh, you know, and he's, I, what really touched me was he, he told Grogu, don't be afraid. You know? And then he then he took off his helmet for him. You want us to keep talking? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Pedro Pascal did ah. such a good job with that, you know. And when uh, when the baby touched him, he he had this little thing where he kind of closed his eyes and he he kind of like shook a little bit because you realize he's probably never been touched. His face has never been touched since he was a kid. It was so deeply emotional. Well, and, and the big fake out, too, was there was a story that was circulating that Pedro Pascal said this was going to be his last season mm-hmm. because there was no part of the season where he would take his helmet off. Yeah. And, you know, I, when, when he took it off in the episode of Mayfield, I thought, okay, that's maybe service to Pedro Pascal to keep him on. They gave him a little, yeah. gave him a little scene without the helmet. But then this part came along. Yeah, yeah, he takes it off to say his goodbye. Yeah. And when the kid touches the helmet first. And then he, he takes the helmet off. <laughs> I know. That's oh, it. it was like I said, it was a four hanky episode for oh me too, God. buddy. See, you know those videos uh, that kids take where they're like watching a trailer or whatever? They're Reaction. We needed to make one of those of Larry watching the episode for the first time in that scene. Well, and it, it was so good, too, because, you know, he's Mando is struggling and he looks at Luke. And, and yeah, there was a little uncanny valley thing going with Luke. They did a good job, but, you know, it was not 100 percent, but I'll take it. And he, he's just looking at this guy thinking, like, you better take good care of it, you know. But he's he's trying so hard to keep it together for the kid because everybody's had that thing where you've had, whether it's a kid, a person, a dog, whatever, and you have to hand them over to somebody. And you've got to be strong. You don't want them to see that you're falling apart. Yeah. So you got to be strong and say, OK, go. And it's like, go. And then you as soon as they're gone, it's like, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I mean, he's trying, Luke, he's Luke realized that because he told him flat out, I'll lay down my life for him. Yep, he did. Or lay down my life to protect him. Yep. That's true. Oh, it was good. So, so good. So one thing Lieutenant Debbie was worried about. Yeah. Was we all know what's happening with Luke and his temple and his students. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, well, you know, he, he may graduate before then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good question. Who knows what will happen with Grogu? And I think a lot of people are saying, well, if he's not going to be in the next season, I might not be watching because some people are really into baby Yoda. So well, what I was thinking about for the next season, and I have no insider knowledge whatsoever, but it may be like a dual thing where they're following Mando and the whole, you know, saving of Mandalore. (laughs) And then also cut back and forth, showing Grogu going through his training with Luke. That would be interesting. I mean, you know, they've got got Luke down now. 
they've got him in the computer program. Yeah, they could do that. And, uh, you know, as far as the temple and that goes, I mean, they may have to, you know, have a story that goes through that shows it, how he avoids that whole temple slaughter, you know, that, mm-hmm. that maybe he right. goes back to Mando before all that happens. So well, if Grogu... Well, go ahead, Walker. I, I was just going to say, if, if Grogu is training with Luke, does that mean that Luke gets to ride on Grogu's shoulders? Uh, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I'm wondering at what age will Grogu be able to talk to people? So can he send a hologram to Mando saying, oh, guess what? I lifted rocks today and, you know, um, it was really cool. I can force jump now. Yeah, I got to say, these Yoda creatures at 50 years old, they still can't talk. Something's not (laughs) right. When he talks, will it be like, talk can I now? (laughs) Happy B.I., you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to figure Luke's probably the one who's going to have to teach him how to talk. So, I'm just hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's not going to be Howie Mandel voicing Grogu with his bot voice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, (laughs) so and then again, you know, Yoda, the Yoda Force Ghost is still around too, right? Oh, so he'll have he'll have a say in things. My son is he. Busy with Yaddle, did I get? <laughs> but see, my other oh, my, my other question, which I was my other question, I was talking with Debbie about last night. Grogu's fifty, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're only five years removed from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And he was being trained in temples and things, and maybe, maybe he knew R two. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Did he cross paths with Yoda at some point? Well, if he was in the Jedi Temple, they said he was saved during yeah. Order 66, right? So yeah. he I think there's a good chance he did. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, to find out, it will be very exciting. See, that's why I think there's no way that he cannot be in the next season because there's so much, so many questions and so much, not just with where is he going to go, how is he going to do, but the whole background that they hinted at. Who knows? We'll see. Well, and just from a commercial point of view, I think it would be crazy for them not to keep him around. Well, I there was a... Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're right. He's just one of the most popular, at least marketing-wise. Yeah. Uh, it, it is called show. The Mandalorian. It's not the Baby Yoda show. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> This was I just this was just the Grogu arc, the first two seasons. Well, there was this title reveal for a series that's coming out on Disney Plus in 2021 called Grogu and the Knights of Ren. So I don't <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's Star as Wars, likely as Grogu. anything else. <laughs> Everybody's getting their own show. He might, too. Well, and that that's the uh, what about the. Uh, End credits reveal. The book of Boba Fett. God, that was just so perfect. I mean, there's Bib Fortuna. And, and, you know, I had my cousin texting Jasmine last night. Who's that? Who's, you know, and and Jasmine's like, uh, pass the phone to me so I could fill in everything. Well, that's, uh, you know, Major Domo for Jabba the Hutt. Oh, man. 
I, I, it, oh, God, I, it's a good time to be a fan of Star Wars. I well, mean, it, yeah, it was hilarious too because he just doesn't even try to talk to him; he just shoots him. Not at all. Could give a two about so, Fortuna. I think a lot of people were concerned, like, well, they're trying to make Boba Fett into a hero, you know. Yeah. And I think that kind of allays any of those fears. At best, Not he's an so anti-hero. Fast. He's an anti-hero. There is honor, but also there's, a, you know, a man trying to make his way through the galaxy. So <laughs> so now the other question, though. So is Mando going off in that light cruiser? And that's going to be the next season? Yeah. With him and Bo-Katan and the rest of them, you know, cruising around space trying to resurrect Mandalore or what? That's the thing. Does he go back to that planet with that uh, farmer and her daughter and retire you know, well, to a happy life? He's, he's going to have to resolve this situation with Bo-Katan and the Darksaber, I think. Oh, uh, that's true. Well, next, so, se- next season he'll be trying to resurrect Mandalore and the whole time she'll be trying to like ambush him sort of like in the pink panther (laughs) he'll come walking into a room and suddenly she'll jump him and try to (laughs) defeat him instead of keto it's gonna be katan (laughs) (laughs) so man we're like running up on a couple hours here this was a pretty good my goodness this was a good one um i'll tell you what it's that part of the show where we're going to get into our sensor sweep and um, uh, Chief Engineer Bob, uh, take it away. Well, you know, I had something kind of cool for the sensor sweep. Maybe I'll save it for next episode because this is our holiday episode. So maybe for the sensor sweep, we should uh, dispense with some season's greetings. Okay, we can we can do that. So on that note, Walker, you want to start us off with the greetings of seasons, as Yoda would say? <laughs> Seasons of greeting, I will. Uh, well, you know, I'm sure everybody out there listening has, uh, we've all gone through a pretty rough year, but I hope that uh, whatever you celebrate at the end of the year, whether it's, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, Festivus, Saturnalia, whatever you celebrate, mm-hmm. I hope you're celebrating something. I hope you're doing it safely, and I hope you're. Uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise, or at least one of those, one or two of those. Um, you know, we've had a blast doing episodes this year. I think at least uh, podcasting has been a great outlet for us uh, during these troubled times, being able to get together and hang out and talk about the stuff we love. And hopefully listening to it has given you a little pleasure. And uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Thanks for listening Uh, Hope you have a a nice holiday season and we will see you in the new year. Hang in there. I think it's going to be a better year. It certainly couldn't get any worse. So (laughs) I hope you have a good year next year, guys. Thank you, Walker. Uh, Bob. Yeah, it's been definitely a rough year uh, for everyone. And, you know, we didn't have Dr. McCoy to come up with a vaccine like within an hour. So I guess we have the vaccines coming in the next in the next few months. And hopefully at that point we can get back to life, whatever post pandemic is going to be like. Hopefully we're back at conventions and shows and movies and 
all the fun things that we usually talk about on this thing. Let's hope that we have some cheer coming up and find as much cheer as you can, you know, over the holiday season. Yes, indeed. Now I want to echo my podcast mates' uh, words and sentiments. Uh, wishing you all a happy holiday. Uh, be safe. Take care of each other. Be tolerant. Love one another. And keep everyone in, in good thoughts. Indeed. Keep them all in your thoughts and six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. should always be. The foundlings are the future. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.